Tuesday morning to you. Hope it is less foggy in the greater Austin area than it is coming up I-35 up here to Fort Worth on the campus of TCU. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way, and I am on the TCU campus this morning. Horn Frogs head coach Sonny Dykes, the head coach of that undefeated fourth ranked team in the country, has his press conference coming up. They do it on Tuesdays up here, and that's coming up around 11.30 this morning. And so this game has kind of turned into kind of a big deal, So as you've probably noticed. So as a result of that, uh, I uh, made the road trip up here and going to host the first hour of the program along with my co-host, Jeff Howe, who is comfortably ensconced yes, sir. in the ARN compound. Are, are you not? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're comfortably ensconced. Yeah, comfortably. I'm trying to digest, Craig, everything that's happened since we went off the air yesterday as it relates yeah. to Texas. Like we we knew obviously with game day and everything on Saturday, but man, recruiting momentum is picking up and mm-hmm. I, it goes back to what I said yesterday. If had Texas taken care of business against K State, they had the chance to set themselves up for a really special November on the field. It's looking like it's turning that way in recruiting too. Yeah, and as a result of this, because of the things that are really starting to gain momentum for Texas, and again, like I said, it, it this game on Saturday night against TCU has taken on even uh, more attention. Obviously, ESPN College Game Day is coming back to town again, and uh, it's it's a big game, and that's why we thought it was important enough for me to come on up. Uh, and In fact, uh, at some point a little bit later today, I'm going to have a uh, – a sit-down, a conversation with Sonny Dykes, the head coach, and we'll have that for you probably tomorrow the next day. We'll do that. Um, That's old so, school. That's old school you go into the opposing coach's news conference, Craig. Used to do it pretty regularly, yeah. especially Texas OU week. And then Bob Stoops tired of seeing me and decided <laughs> he was, even though I was driving uh, 400 miles, he had no more interest in uh, visiting with me. So it, at that point, it would be a waste of time. And I, and I did do it once here, one time, uh, for a Texas TCU game. And this will take you back, Jeff. It was 2007 when I did it. Remember yeah. they played the non-conference game? Oh, yeah. That's when it came up. Yeah. And Gary Patterson did the interview with me and all that. But then, you know, I came a couple of times – afterwards once TCU got in the league and was just kind of told very politely and nicely, yeah, he's not doing those things anymore. I, I've joked with GP about that since then. We've, we've, we've had a laugh or two over, over the years since I've gotten to know him really well from uh, the coaching convention and the panel discussions and all that. Um, so I stopped going to that. I uh, used to go to Baylor's when Baylor's was on Tuesday, mm-hmm. but Baylor's is on Monday, so it doesn't it doesn't work out. And so, in other words, it doesn't really work out well uh, to do it. Oklahoma State's is on Monday, yeah. So it just doesn't usually work out very well uh, to do it. But it did happen to fall in line and place, and I checked. Hey, could I do this? And I've I've known Sonny Dykes for over twenty years, and. And they're like, yeah, come on. I seem to recall. I seem to recall us bumping into each other, Craig, back during my Baylor days during the in the uh, Guy Morris era during that luncheon. Absolutely, it was during the Guy. And and Keith Moreland used to come with me. Keith, of course, was my analyst at the time. And and Keith and Guy Morris were pretty close friends 
going back to the days when Guy was playing, the late Guy Morris was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Keith was playing for the Philadelphia Phillies. And that's where they got to know one another. Um, it's too good. So, it's too good, so, yeah. good dudes right there. Good yeah, people. it is. It is. That's what. That's and, the old school lunch so, and snoop where they used to like cater the big lunch and feed you and all that fun stuff. Yeah, there was that. Our erstwhile producer would not be able to turn down that free meal, correct? He'd be all about it. Of course, you, uh, you know, uh, we're all spoiled by his outstanding work as the purveyor of all good things, Flex ATX, because after all, in the final analysis, it's a flex. He's always at the switch unless he's at Moody Center to take in the first ever regular season Texas Longhorn men's basketball game as he was last night sitting right beside my son. That's Jonathan <laughs> John Donaldson, Jay. Jay Donaldson, we know him as Snoop Dan. Snoop blessed the mood. I did. I, I I dapped up Andy Way. He's like, hey, I'm Andy Way. I was like, oh, what's up, man? I was like, you know, I gave him off Charles Loud and pat him on the back. Yeah. It was good. That's <laughs> that was, good. good yeah. And it was so cool because we had seats where, like, no one could look over your back because we were right against the wall beneath the Long The Dell Indeed Club, right? Correct. And oh, that yeah. was actually kind of cool. It was so nice. It wasn't a bad seat in the house. We couldn't go up to the place where you walk around at the top. We were told we couldn't go up there, but right, that was that was reserved as an SRO area for students. That was a standing room only area for students who could not get into the corral. Uh, the you know the twelve hundred seats around the area and the two hundred seventy degrees, uh, three quarters of the way around uh, the uh, around the lower seating area at Moody Center. And you know what, fellas, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that they had to fit them into the overflow up there. I mean, students are engaged and interested and all that other kind of stuff. But they were way up top. You're right. They were up there in an area that normally is not open to public because that's part of the whole garage door thing, you know, with the panels that are down that uh, that uh, completely obscure the upper deck. So, uh, so and Snoop, I mean, I take it you thought it was pretty cool, right? I mean, I, I – I, I've just been amazed at how this building is constructed to where you don't have to worry about things being curtained off and all that other kind of stuff. It doesn't have that look to it. It looked like a 10,763-seat arena last night, didn't it, except for what you saw on that upper balcony on the on the tail end with the students. The only way I, to describe it is there's no, um, there's no boring space. So even yes. when you look up in the uh, light up top in the what quote unquote ra- rafters, there's actually like a, a screen that shows information. Yeah, so that's the garage doors, and, and when they built the arena, Shut that's up. what CDC said. So basically, for concerts and stuff, they lift the garage doors, and that's op- that seating right there. But he wanted the the doors to where you could during basketball games, you could kind of project images on there, so yes. it's not empty space. Yes, that's exactly it's, right. I want to say it's perfect. I, I don't. It really is, man, Craig. I don't know if you'd perfect. agree with that, but I mean, and, and you and I have both been to a lot of arenas, <laughs> pro arenas. Uh, this is about as good as it gets, honestly. That's not hyperbole on my part. I, I I would only, I would only encourage people to see it for themselves. And as and as Chris Beard told us on the post game last night, there are tickets. You can get tickets to games. They, it might be a little bit of a myth that there aren't tickets, but there are tickets available for you, including Thursday night's game. 
against Houston Christian. So it's worth checking out as well. All right. Uh, here on the program, like I said, I'm only on during this first hour uh, because I'll be inside the uh, TC press conference during the second hour. And, of course, Jeff and Snoop will roll through that second hour, which includes the sharp review of the Big 12 and a second-hour uh, Longhorn notebook. And, what, and um, you're going to let fans hear a little bit of that, uh, yeah, we'll, of what Chris Beard had to say after Yeah, the game. It's, we'll play the post-game, uh, post-game interview with, uh, with Coach Beard from last night. 72-57 right. win. Over UTEP, I think we talked about the arena. We didn't even mention the game, but yeah, good, good win for the Longhorns compared <laughs> yeah. to how uh, the ball bounced for some other programs in the Big Twelve. Craig, not a, not a bad opening night, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, there'll be another Longhorn notebook in the first hour. Also, we'll have a regular Tuesday conversation with Hank Carter, head coach of the Lake Travis Cavaliers. They didn't play last week because the game. I ended up being canceled, as we know, because of the severe weather that happened uh, through the area. It was a game that did not have any numerical meaning in terms of district positioning or playoff implications or anything like that, uh, the game against Bowie. So uh, Bowie and Lake Travis both headed for the playoffs, uh, went back to their neutral corners, and now they get ready for the bi-district round, and Lake Travis will take on Round Rock. Should be a great game. You'll be able to hear it on the horn. Uh, uh, Friday night at 7.30. I'm actually going to uh, get the privilege of calling it on television as well. It's going to be on Valley Sports Southwest uh, on Friday night. It's going to be the first of our weekly uh, – uh, Bally is is going to do live telecast of playoff games. Italy, uh, one game every week, and that was the first game. And uh, so that's that'll be the first one on that. So I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll tell you, go ahead, turn – Turn my yammering voice down and turn up Marconi and Bucky Godbolt and Stu Myrick and you know you can watch the game, sync it up and then and then listen and and listen to the uh, the call on the horn. So I'll I'll tell people to do that. Um, so Hank Carter will join us. We have a long horn notebook this hour, and uh, we, so we have other things to get to, including right now our double meat with cheese edition of the Whataburger Top Five. Now, it's time for the Whataburger Top 5. Okay, prepare to receive. Today's Double Meat with Cheese Edition. Here we go. Top 10 rankings. Okay, fellas. This is the final, final uh, poll of the season. Because remember, it gets into the playoffs. So what we do with the Double Meat with Cheese starting next week is to update area playoff pairings. But we do have a final poll of the regular season. For 6A, which does the top 25, and of course we call it the double beat with cheese because it's a Whataburger top five, double the size. It's a top 10 ranking from 5A down to 1A. And in 6A, it's a top 25 because they don't split into Division One and Division Two until now, this week, going into the playoffs. So the final top 25 poll, I can tell you guys, the top 23 spots remain the same. That's the most unchanged I've ever seen the 6A poll. And here it is. Westlake is number one, followed by Galena Park, North Shore, Duncanville, South Lake Carroll, Katy, Denton Geyer, Spring Westfield, Atascacita, Cibolo Steel, and Prosper round out the top 10. Dripping Springs holds at 11, Shatter Creek 12, then it's DeSoto who plays Weiss this week. DeSoto's number 13. Brennan from the north side of San Antonio, 14, then it's Arlington Martin, Highland Park, Vandergrift holds at 17. Then it's Rockwall, North Crowley, and Allen to finish the top 20. The final five, New Caney 21, Round Rock is number 22. Then you have Trophy Club Byron Nelson. And then the changes, Cy Fair in the poll, up one spot from 25 to 24. And newly minted number 25 team, 
for the first time this season ranked, and they'll they'll finish uh, in the top 25. The Fighting Farmers of Louisville, nine and one. Their only loss, by the way, was a close game to Highland Park. So, uh, and Louisville plays Allen this week. There are a lot of folks who feel that uh, they might be able to take out Allen. Incidentally, by the way, normally on Tuesdays, we have Greg Tepper, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, join us. Tep will be with us on Thursday at that same time when uh, Jeff is deep into the weeds, into the Sark uh, media availability on Thursday. All right, uh, 5A Division One, identical to last week. Longview, Mansfield, Timberview, Alito, Lancaster, Midlothian, Amarillo, Tascosa, Frisco, Reedy, Far San Juan Alamo North, Smithson Valley, which plays Cedar Park in the Vidistrick round, and College Station is your 5A Division I ranking. 5A Division II poll, Argyle, uh, and the top eight are the same from last week. Uh, Argyle, Fort Ben Marshall, Liberty Hill holds at number three, Grapevine, Montgomery Lake Creek, Midlothian Heritage, Alamo Heights, defending state champion South Oak Cliff at eight, Melissa in the poll at number nine, and LBJ is in the top 10. Jags at number 10 cracked the rankings in the final poll of the regular season. 4A Division One, the top six unchanged. China Spring, Cal Allen of the Corpus Christi area, Bernie, Anna, Salina, and Lumberton, and then the top 10 completes with Chapel Hill High from Tyler up one spot. Stephenville, which had dropped back-to-back Heartbreaking Games is back in the top ten. They had been at number one, dropped out last week, but they're back in after their win over La Vega. They're at number eight. Brownwood is ninth, and El Campo is at number ten. 4A Division Two, the uh, top ten, identical to last week. Carthage, Gilmer, Quero, Silsby, Belleville, Wimberley holds at number six. Pleasant Grove of Texarkana, Wichita Falls, Hershey, Glen Rose, and Aubrey. 3A Division One, the top ten rankings. Identical to last week. Franklin, Malakoff, Columbus, Shallowwater, Lano at number five, and they play Catula in the by district round this week. Bushland, Brock, Lorena, Pottsboro, and West at number 10. 3A Division II, final regular season poll. Yeah, unchanged. Gunner, Holiday, Newton, Canadian, Bells, West Russ, Poth, Palmer, Lexington at 10 0, taking on Brazos Consolidated. Uh, out uh, west of Houston there, Wallace, or south of it, at number 9, and Wall at number 10. Hey, then, Craig, Flo- Florence, yes. Florence didn't make the, the 3A D2 final poll? Didn't, did not make it, uh, okay. did not crack it in there. I think right. finishing 1 and 9 would, would do that. I need to talk to somebody Take over at DCTF, see if we can get that All straightened right. out. Yeah, you can do that, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the top 10 in 2A Division One unchanged in the poll. Timpson, Pauley, Crawford, Refurio, Stratford, Shiner, Toller, Cisco, Centerville, and Coleman. And if you can't have Florence in the top ten, Jeff, at least you get your Coleman Blue Cats in there. Shout out uh, Allsup's Burritos. See, there you go. And in, and in 2A Division two, a little bit of a shakeup. Martin is still one, Burton still two, Wellington. Hey, fellas, the, the Skyrockets are really good. I had a highlight on the television show where a guy went 65 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, I'll admit it. I said it. Skyrockets in flight. Woo! Friday night delight. I actually said that on the show Friday night. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wink is before. Chilton is five. Now, Albany moves up from seven to six. Collinsville from eight to seven. 
Bryce Carlisle dropped two spots after a loss to Alta. They dropped from six to eight. Santo holds at nine. And yes, Granger Lions, who finished the regular season eight and two, they'll play those Yewas of Somerville in the by district round. Granger at number 10. 1A, six man division one. Top six remain the same. Abbott, Westport, Jonesboro, Rankin, Happy, and May. Erian County moves up a spot from eight to seven. Gordon, a spot from nine to eight. Medina, up a spot from 10 to nine. Garden City falls from seven to 10 after losing decisively to uh, Rankin. And finally, the 1A, six-man Division II poll, top five unchanged. Benjamin, Cherokee, Balmoree, Oglesby, Richland Springs. Then it's Lorraine up a spot from seven to six. Whit Harrell up one spot from eight to seven. Sanderson dropped two spots after a loss to Balmoray. The Eagles are number eight. Bluffdale up one spot from 10 to nine and Rising Star in at number 10. So there it is, your Whataburger double meat with cheese edition of the top five rankings. I'm sorry Florence didn't crack the poll this week. For it's you. all right. We'll, we'll, give it, we'll give it another shot next year. Yeah, I start saying the build. Your strength of schedule. Yeah, strength, hey, the strength of schedule. When you're, hey, when you're in the same district with uh, Lexington and Rogers, it's uh, your strength of schedule is up there. Thank you, Snoop. No doubt about it. Hey, Jeff, when, when when you played on the teams that didn't make the playoffs, how quickly did you turn it around and begin your off season? Because you went right into basketball. You were a basketball player. Yeah, so, uh, the following Monday. Uh huh. You well, Jump right in that weight room. Usually, you have uh, Monday will be like turning equipment and clean stuff. You know, get all the staff infection off of everything, and then. Yep. Uh, and then usually like Tuesday, you're rocking and rolling. It, you know, usually that first week is like, uh, you know, testing, maybe some testing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But uh, the week by the by the following week, you're your weights and running outside and all that fun stuff. Okay. All right. I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, do you want to do the notebook before or after the visit with Hank? Uh, let's go ahead and get to let's go ahead and get to Coach Carter first. All right. Uh, so we'll do it. We need a break. When we come back, we'll visit with Coach Hank Carter, the head coach of the Lake Travis Cavaliers. Then it'll be a Longhorn notebook. Then it'll be inconceivable. And uh, then Jeff and Snoop will roll you through hour number two. I'm up in Fort Worth on the campus of TCU. Jeff, of course, comfortably ensconced with. Snoop down in the ARN compound. It's a Tuesday edition of Life, the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. D&E. Now you talked about how you're gay. What'd you give your brother the uh, sleeper? Sleeper. Yeah, Tuesday must be a uh, southern rock kind of day here. Snoop rolls us back in with some Almond Brothers here on this Tuesday morning. Light the Tower, On the Horn, 1049, 1019 AM, 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at Horn FM. And uh, hornfm.com, that is. Uh, Craig Way, Jeff House, Noob Daniel. We uh, uh, will look to establish contact with uh, Hank Carter here in a few moments as he's wrapping up a couple of things. But, Jeff, if you're ready, we'll rock through with the first of our uh, notebooks. Let's yeah. do this. You good to go on that? Yeah. Jeff House, we'll do it right now. Long Horn Notebook. It's a notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. See if Aaron can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to get us in our new home by getting that home loan approval done just like that. After all, she's the one who can make that 10-day home loan approval guarantee and make it happen. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowersockteam.com. She's your Longhorn lender. 
Uh, I want to get to a couple of things, Craig, on the football front. Start with Jalen Ford. Second time this year he's been named Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. That honor came down yesterday. I was looking at some pro football focus numbers, just kind of culling the stats. Uh, 42 stops this year for Jalen Ford, Craig. PFF considers a a stop to be a tackle that results in a failure for the offense. Uh, that leads all Big 12 linebackers. And I was thinking about this in relation to Jalen Ford Craig, now I, I haven't seen all the linebackers in the Big 12. Uh, haven't seen D. Winters at TCU. Haven't seen Dylan Doyle at Baylor, at least in person yet. But I've got to think, and I was trying to think about this yesterday. Kirk Bowles and I were having a conversation about this because Kirk is on the committee for the Football Writers Association All-American team. And we were both thinking, like, man, is there a better linebacker in the Big 12 than Jalen Ford? And honestly, I mean, the, the guys that we've seen, I was like, you know what? Maybe not. I mean, he's at least in the conversation, and I'll be frank, Craig, when I submit my uh, football writer's ballot for defensive nominees for the All-American team, Jalen Ford's going to be on there. Again, because you talk about the impact plays that he's made this season, there's two games, Iowa State and K-State. Texas does not win those games if not for plays Jalen Ford makes on defense. So uh, I don't know, Craig. It's Linebacker's one of those positions. And, look, we've talked a ton about the development that's going on with him, credit Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate with that. Uh, and we talked about linebacker being a position for Texas that they really haven't been able to figure out. But Jalen Ford proving my theory correct once again that, man, if there's a football prospect on defense in the state of Texas and Utah offers them, if you're a Power 5 program in the state, circle back and take a look at that kid's film if you haven't offered him because you probably missed something. Uh, Craig, he's, he's played linebacker as about as high a level as we've seen maybe since that you know, that Malik Jefferson, Gary Johnson year back in 2017. Because, I, you know, Joseph Osai was a different kind of guy playing on the edge, but probably that 2017 defense was the last time you got this kind of impact play from an inside backer. I agree. Uh, and and he's on a roll. And he kind of is in the mentality of when you when, when you visit with him. I know you visited with him. We have on the, our postgame shows as well about he, – he, I won't say he's matter-of-fact about it, but he is business-like about it in saying – Here's what's designed. Here's what's laid out. What we're supposed to do. These are my responsibilities, and I go carry them out. I mean, he yeah. he, he kind of approaches that way, and he's and he and he's not doing it with any false humility. He's kind of he's very analytical about what his responsibility is supposed to be and that of his teammates, and that's pretty impressive to see. And I just go back to all the stuff I heard behind the scenes in the offseason that that defensive staff felt like whatever their ceiling was going to be on defense whatever they were going to be able to do, it was going to be because they had that much confidence in Jalen Ford taking a step forward. So credit to him, credit to PK, credit to Jeff Choate for getting him there. Uh, a couple Absolutely. A couple other PFF notes, Craig. We'll stay on defense. We talked about the interior D-line. Sure. I, I heard Rod mention this yesterday on Baldwin Line, and, and I agree with him because as I was watching the game, this kind of played out. K-State – made a concerted effort to run the ball right at Texas. And and they had success early with it, Craig. They had some gap runs, I think, on their first drive where they just kind of marched down the field that work. And Texas made some adjustments, and they never really got the quarterback run game going with Martinez. He had a couple of scrambles when he was able to get outside the pocket to evade pressure, but they never really got their designed quarterback run game going like they like to with Martinez. And a lot of that's due to the Texas defensive line. Craig, I was looking at the highest-graded interior defensive lineman in the Big 12, according to Pro Football Focus. Texas has four of the top seven highest-graded interior defensive linemen in the Big 12 on their roster. Moro Ojimo, number one. Keandre Coburn, number four. Byron Murphy, number five. And Devondre Sweat, 
number seven. So, again, we talked about the issues last year defensively. A lot of it, I felt, had to do with that interior D-line not playing to their paper. They've done that and then some this year, and a lot of that credit goes to Bo Davis. Keandre Coburn, I know, Craig, he, he gave you and Roger a, a pretty impassioned interview in the postgame on Saturday, and he said yesterday, he, he talked about how much he owes to Bo Davis for his development, and he said, he said, I would literally die for Coach Davis. So that's the respect those guys in that defensive line room have for Bo Davis. Really, really good job by Bo Davis this year with that interior D-line group. Yeah, Aye. yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's been impressive to see. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, what, Would you say, Snoop, your guy? No, I said die. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, it's what that's what Keandre said. Yeah, that's how much that's how much he, he that's how much love he's got for Bo Davis. Uh, I do want to get to some Bijan Robinson numbers because just wow, uh, you're just amazed by the guy. First Longhorn with back to back thousand yard seasons since Vince Young in 04 and 05. First running back at Texas to have back to back thousand yard seasons since Cedric Benson had four in a row from 01 to 04. Uh, Bijan Robinson, Craig, according to Pro Football Focus. 781 total yards. Now, seven, there, there have been a lot of good Texas backs that didn't get to 700 yards in a season. Bijan has 781 <laughs> through nine games after contact. Uh, that's number three in the FBS. He's averaging a little over four yards per carry after contact. 73 missed tackles forced. That's number one in uh, in all of college football. 27 runs of 10 or more yards. That's tied for 15th in the country. And then 15 uh, design runs of 15-plus yards. That's tied for 12th in the country. And, you know, Craig, we talk about showdowns. Like last weekend where everybody's talking about the showdown between Deuce, Rob- Deuce Vaughn and B. John Robinson. Uh, this week, I'm not so sure these, these aren't the t- – with all due respect to Deuce Vaughn, Kendrick Miller might be the best offensive player in the country that nobody talks about. When you watch TCU play, he does so much for them to balance them out and really make them a two-dimensional offense. Uh, and Bijan said yesterday that he's pumped about going head-to-head with Kendra Miller. It gets him fired up. But uh, Kendrick Miller put up some nice numbers last year. Craig, it kind of got lost in the shuffle with the year TCU had, but he, he's been outstanding for them this year, especially lately because Max Duggan's been a little banged up. They haven't been able to use the quarterback run game as much as they would like to put a little bit more on Kendra Miller, and he's been really, really good. That whole running back group for TCU is really good, but Miller Miller's the bell cow, and, and, I, and I like him a lot. He's got that explosivity you talked about, and uh, uh, he, he's a different kind of back than say, obviously, well, Deuce Vaughn's a different kind of back from just about every kind of back. He's just yeah. different because of his diminutive stature. Uh, and and the fact that the Longhorns did a great job on him holding in, what, 73 yards. They And and you pointed out yesterday, Jeff, the Longhorns have not allowed a 100-yard rusher this season. Uh, this, is, this is a challenge of a different sort that they're going to see on Saturday night and what Miller can do because he can get out pretty quickly if you're if you're not on him. And, and uh, that's going to be certainly one of the – uh, one of the the challenges uh, for this program is to for this defensive unit to be able to, to put the clamps on. Him. Yeah, and bet- between Deuce Vaughn and Jameer Gibbs, uh, they, 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 this defense has faced some pretty good running backs already this year. Uh, so uh, yeah. Ken- Kendra Miller, by the way, a little over a thousand yards, one thousand nine. He had a run, Craig, in their game against West Virginia, and I think this is kind of the. The I don't know, um, Sonny Dykes, is, they, they've had guys that have been able to run the football, but probably not like this. And it kind of uh, kind of reminds you almost of some of those Baylor offenses, right, that veer and shoot style. We saw it at Texas in 2016, right. how, the, how the middle of the – they would stress you so much 
uh, horizontally with their wide receiver splits and then their speed to stretch you vertically, that the middle of the field would be wide open, but it's open for the run game. Uh, we saw Deontay Foreman break off chunk yardage run after chunk yardage run right up the pipe. Kendra Miller had a run, a touchdown run in that West Virginia game. Craig, it was like a 45, 50-yard touchdown run. Nobody touched him, and it really looked like one of those runs we saw Deontay Foreman have in that 2,000-yard season where he just, as big as he is, he just looked faster than everybody else on the field, and and just the design of their offense freed him up. So I, I really like what they're doing uh, with Kendra Miller right now. But that's a that's a headline headline matchup of two two guys, Craig. They could very well both. I don't know if you'll have three Big 12 running backs at the College Football Awards for the Doak Walker Award, but between Deuce Vaughn, Bijan Robinson and Kendra Miller, probably two of those three with either Blake Corum and or Jameer Gibbs, they're they're gonna be in the mix for that Doak Walker award by the end of the year, I would think. Well, the the three guys in the in, in the race in the Big Twelve that you talked about in that running back race will have a chance to get uh to write their ticket, obviously, to the the running back awards, uh to those award shows because of the head to head stuff that's you know, getting ready to come down the pike here. There's already been one head-to-head meeting, and and B. John Robinson got the, had had the edge, supposedly, you know, so to speak, had uh, definitely had the better game uh, than uh, than Deuce Vaughn did in that one. Now this week, and there's been another one, obviously, Kendra Miller and Deuce Vaughn, and they both had good games in that TCU win. Uh, but now uh, you've got Texas and TCU this week, so you got B. John Robinson and Kendra Miller. And then you've got Kansas State and Baylor going on this week too, so uh, as an opportunity certainly for uh, Deuce Vaughn to get you know back on the horse this week. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's still and then of course uh, Texas will have to play Baylor. So the, anyway, there's some there's some stuff. There's still more opportunities for these guys to show what they can do. It's crazy when you think about it, Craig. The depth yeah. of the running backs in this league. I mean, it's like a wave of them leave, and then you look up and. Between Bijan, Deuce, Kendra Miller, Richard Reese at Baylor, uh, good good luck picking two backs for a first team All Big Twelve at the end of the year. Yeah, that's why I, I I'm saying I don't know that we'll see three wind up there like you said. You also don't you 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 don't know uh, that uh, that that's going to happen. Uh, but uh, you know even. Even if that if that doesn't happen, I think there's a good chance you see two of them there. Yeah, you could see Bijan and Kendra Miller there, or Bijan and Deuce Vaughn. I think Bijan certainly would be uh, right now because of the totality of what he does. Even though Miller uh, is over a thousand yards as well, the uh, totality of it uh, might favor Bijan. But again, it's head to head this week. Even though you know both running backs would tell you, and I'm sure Kendra Miller will say it to everybody when they bring him out in the in the player availability here in a few minutes up here in Fort Worth, he'll probably say, uh, you know, it's it's not me against Bijan, it's, you know, us against them. You know, but both are great team guys. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, – and that's what makes them better, I think. I think that's what makes them better uh, as running backs. Their coaches constantly laud what team-oriented guys both of those guys are. And you really have to have that if you're going to have a lot of – you know, success on the field in addition to the, you know, the individual success. So I think it all kind of goes hand in hand. Um, Jeff, um, uh, Coach Hank Carter has texted me. I uh, said, got in, in this, tell me, stop me if this sounds familiar because this has happened to all of us. 
he has been pulled into a meeting and is going to be unable to join us uh, today. Apologized for it and said, I'm sorry about this. He's got yanked into a meeting because uh, at first when I contacted this morning, he was all about it. Said, yep, absolutely, but he can't do it. So uh, what we're going to do here is got a few minutes here. I want to I want to get your thoughts since uh, I'll be out during the second hour. I want to discuss a little bit about the Longhorn basketball game. Then we'll take a break. Then we'll uh, then we'll have inconceivable. Uh, but we talked a little bit about the atmosphere and the environment of the of Moody Center last night, and Snoop was talking about it as yeah. well. As far as the game was concerned, um, I've, I, you know, see if you felt similarly inclined, and if not, it's understandable. It just um, the first ten minutes of the ball game was rather sluggish, I thought, and and it's, there were some putting there mild, were some putting mildly, passes and guys, yeah. I think were. Well, because I, I, yeah, I think they were both sides were pretty anxious in trying to accelerate activity, and and when you uh, air the post game interview that I that we had with uh, Coach Beard last night, you'll hear something similar about that. He he detected some genuine nervousness on the part of his guys because of the opening of the Moody Center. Not not even necessarily just because it was a season opener but a season opener in a brand-new building. so And he equated it to, and again, you'll hear him give a little more explanation and some depth on this. He equated it to taking a team without a, with, with no NCAA tournament experience, or very little, into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And that they needed to settle down a little bit. Once they settled down, I think they got into a good rhythm. And then for about, uh, you know, three-fourths of the game, they were really good. Like I said, sluggish at the first, maybe sloppy at the end would be a good way to describe it in the final minutes, especially with with some younger guys getting out there on the floor. But by and large, I think he was pleased with what he saw. Yeah, overall. For the most most part, anyway. Yeah, and and look, he, you know, Joe Golding, and and of course those two are really good friends, and Joe Golding said he didn't want to play the game, and and Chris Beard was uh, very adamant that he he thinks UTEP's going to be a good team. That's a team with a lot of roster turnover. Added a lot of transfers uh, from a 20-win team last year, so you know they've got a chance to be a pretty good team, a team that can fight, uh, maybe fight in Conference USA to to get in the upper half of that league and maybe push uh, to get that automatic bid for the NCAA tournament out of that league. But uh, and and what what I thought was interesting too was the way Tyrese Hunter settled in. Like you can look at his the box score and say, oh, well, you know, he had 18 points. He, he probably had a great game. But even Tyrese admitted last night to us in, in the post game, Craig. You know, UTEP and any, anybody that remembers that NCAA tournament game with Texas and Abilene Christian, Joe Golding, they, they want to speed you up. They want to try to turn you over. And Tyrese felt like early on, especially in the first half, uh, he felt like he, he kind of fell into that trap. And I think there's no better statistic to show how he adjusted. All four of his turnovers he committed were in the first half. Didn't have a turnover in the second half and made an effort. And, you know, he, he said Chris Beard didn't get on him, just told him right before they came out of the locker room at halftime. He said, just be you, just go do you and, and play with confidence. And we saw him attack early downhill. I thought it was pretty critical as we talk about getting Dylan to sue, kind of building his confidence coming back from the injury. I thought it was really critical, Craig. Those, yeah, those few possessions in a row. Yeah, he, he, they had a stretch of three field goals in a row. They were all Dylan to sue, and he all did it in different ways, right? Caught a pass with a nice entry feed from Brock Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Caught on the low block at a nice little spin move. Knocked down a short corner jumper, and then kind of caught it on the elbow, put it on the deck, and, and went up for a layup. So, I just thought the the versatility of Dylan DeSue was important. It was a dunk. 
And then, uh, well, then he had he had a dunk. No, he had a dunk on on a fast break. This was different oh, during that oh, stretch. Oh. He had ten points last yeah, night. He did. Um, <laughs> and then, but uh, Craig, I, the guy that and, and you and I talked about it when when he signed and we had him on the show. I said, man, I think Jabari yeah. Rice is going to be a guy that Texas fans love just because that energy he brings uh, and just kind of that he'll he'll do the dirty work. He'll be a junkyard dog type of guy and. I think what he gave you last night is just kind of what he can do. Like, you probably look at him in warm-ups and think, all right, this dude's this guy we've been hearing about. And then you look up at the end of the night and plays 26 minutes, gives you 14 points on four or six shooting, grabs six rebounds, two assists, and uh, and plays a really big role. That 15-3 to run, I think he had 10 of their 15 points in that 15-3 run that broke the game open last night. So uh, those things really stood out to me. I thought Tyrese Hunter settling in, what you got from Dylan DeSue, and then Jabari Rice in the clutch making some really, really critical – at both ends of the floor. Yep, I, I totally agree uh, with that. And and Jabari Rice is uh, very uh, pleasant to visit with, and he's very thoughtful. This is a guy – who gets into the intellect of things. He's already a holder of a college degree. He's in grad school right now. And you'll hear from him this afternoon, uh, the Craigway Sports Report. We visited with him on the postgame as well. He was a great false. All right. Coming up, we have Inconceivable before we close that out. Close out out. It's easy for you to say. Close out our number <laughs> one of the program. And then I'll be off to the uh, – See, and I speak for a living, and things happen. Uh, and then, uh, then I'll be off to the uh, TC News Conference here in Fort Worth, and Jeff and Snoop will have hour number two, including the sharp review of the Big 12. Uh, that'll that'll happen in uh, hour number two as well. And, again, Greg Tepper, managing editor to Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, will join us on Thursday morning at 1110. All right, Inconceivable up next when we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Hi, I'm Brad with Homes by Avi. And I'm Erin Bowersock. We are currently offering incredible incentives at all of our communities across the Austin area. To learn more about how these incentives can save you money on your new home, visit yourlonghornlender.com. NMLS number 1326-241. It's time for bats. The meaning today for inconceivable surrounds behavior because we all try to be on our best behavior, or at least a representative sampling of that. Even Snoop Daniel, who has been seen out and about in Austin nightlife, you know, you try to, you know, behave yourself, right? Yes. And let people think you're a decent enough human I being, am. correct? Snoop, did you get you a good drink at the game last night, by the way? I did. I had two. Uh, Love yeah. Street beers. Oh, okay. Did you really? Yeah. John in the Bay texted in wondering how many Tito's so, you had last night. No, I no, couldn't no. drink liquor, or liquor, because that to work. No Tito's last uh, night. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So the reason why I bring this up is because and it, it, stop me if this sounds familiar. Familiar story. Frat parties in college cause problems. Uh, there would be problems caused from it. Stemmed around drinking, and as a result, there's discipline. Even at an Ivy League school like Cornell, Cornell University has suspended all fraternity parties and all fraternity social events after campus police issued alerts 
about an alleged sexual assault and at least four alleged incidents of drug-laced drinks Jeez. at an off-campus uh, location. Bill Cosby. Yeah. University said, yeah, <laughs> university said yesterday. What did you say, Snoop? <laughs> that was the first thing say? that came to your mind. <laughs> Bill Cosby. What was it? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I like that the, the, he's, uh, syno- so, uh, he's synonymous he was, with that He was now. Temple University, yeah. not Cornell. Yeah, but no, it's the, the temple, uh, it's the uh, the the act. Of, I know, uh, yeah. I know. I get where you're going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, here, here's what happened. Uh, Cornell campus police issued a crime alert Friday about at least four alleged incidents of drug-laced drinks between September 24th and November 3rd. Quote: In which students reported to have consumed little to no alcohol at an off-campus location, but became incapacitated while attending parties. Did that ever happen to you, Snoop? Yeah, this lady, she roofied me. She roofied me. Oh. At a a, a malice. She roofied you. Was she she an older lady? Yes. Oh. But it wasn't like she did it maliciously not to take advantage of me. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It was bad. I was hoping that story would have a... No, it was bad because I went out... Because I didn't drink, barely. And I went out to drive my car, and I was, like, thinking weird things. I'm like, there's something not right. And I walk back in, and I have no shoes on. They're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. Wow. I don't have my shoes on. I am wearing swim trunks, but I'm not (laughs) wearing shoes. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Okay. Anyway. I I got you. Please carry on. (laughs) All right. So they... Yes. All right. So anyway, they've gotten rid of all of that sort of stuff. All right. I'm gonna give you another what, behavior what's, story. Hey, what, well, what's why do um, these kids have to like lace their drinks and spike their drinks? Why can't you just do it old school style and just I don't know, go get a bunch of Keystone, drinking up and, Boone's Farm to get you silly. Yeah, some Boone's Farm, some MD 2020, <laughs> and maybe make some nice trash well, can punch. I won't get too deep into it. They're probably trying to get people who don't drink to get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, just that, stick with that, the basics. Stick um, to the basics. Um, speaking of the basics, did you guys see any of the highlights of the Astros parade yesterday? Yeah. You know what I did? No, I'm ashamed of myself as an Astros fan that I missed all that. But no, I didn't have a chance to catch well, they, any of the parade. Well, they said over a million were in t- were in attendance uh, at different points. Like, um, also in attendance was a fan uh, or a person announced by the Houston Police Department, who was arrested and charged with assault after throwing a beer can at Senator Ted Cruz and striking him. And there was video all over Twitter about it. Um, uh, So he was part of the parade, and it said it was unclear why Cruz, who has no, no formal connection to the Astros beyond spending most of his childhood in Houston after being born in Calgary, was part of the parade, though often local officials feature in team's title celebrations. That's why, because, you know, the, the, the lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, also took part in the festivities. He was in a Humvee, one vehicle in front of Cruz. Uh, neither were reportedly greeted uh, with warm receptions, but then as Cruz came along afterwards, uh, there was some booing and some thumbs down, and then um, in the jeering that was going on, then somebody – Chucked a beer can at it and hit it. I would imagine, so, like, if you hit somebody with a beer can, let's assume it's a full beer, right? It's a pretty serious yeah, offense. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure if you yeah, hit a sitting a sitting U.S. senator, that's probably regardless of where you reside on the political spectrum. If you hit a sitting U.S. senator right. with a uh, a beer can, that that's probably not going to bode well for you in a court of law. <laughs> I would agree. Ass- one yep. would assume. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's a good take on that. Um, okay, I'll I'll switch out of behavior now. Uh, let's go intergalactic for a moment, or extra galactic. Astronomers have found what they call a massive extra galactic structure hiding in outer space. First of all, extra galactic structure was a band that Snoop saw at ACL Fest, yes. just to let you know that. However, scientists say they've discovered something rather mysterious in space. There's a lot of mysteries in space, aren't there, though? Because we don't know that much I just about. think there's a lot going uh, on out there that we don't know about. Yes, absolutely. Well, according to a new study shared on a preprint website, scientists have discovered what they term as an extra galactic structure inside an area of space known as, quote, the zone of avoidance. Now, the zone of avoidance, from what I understood, was where uh, Snoop is directed to stay away from certain <laughs> parties from certain people. That's yeah. the zone of avoidance. Yeah. So we'll just say you that. But zone uh, of the avoidance could be a, a could, space could, could, uh, station. Uh, that could stand for a number of things, could it not, Snoop? Yes, it could. Yeah. Yeah, it could. Uh, the, the structure isn't a space station or anything of the store. Instead, it's believed to be a galactic cluster similar to others we've discovered beyond our solar system. Uh, the zone is especially mysterious because most, much of it is hidden and obscured by our own galaxy's opaque bulge. That's yes. one of Snoop's lines, by the way. He likes to tell. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, just, just, just letting you know that, you know, that, that, that comes down. I know, I know how.